The strongest stars have hearts of Kaiba. I'm going with the force of forces with me. That's not how the Force works. Well, let's start somewhere. Welcome everybody to the KyberCast. This is Tuesday, August 11th, 2020. This week, uh, well, first of all, my name is Joe Becker. I'm one of the hosts of the KyberCast. With me as always is my good friend... Michael. Oh, that's me, Diaz. Michael Diaz. <laughs> <laughs> you like to introduce yourself, so I didn't want to, you know, talk over you. No, I know, I know. That was my bad. <laughs> I was like, I, I know I've been introducing myself for a while now, but I was just waiting for you to say my name. And I was like, oh, that's right, I'm doing it now. So, yes, I'm yeah. Michael Diaz. How's it going, Joe? It's going great. I, I'm looking forward to this show uh, for a good reason, and I'll let you tell our listeners why. So as you may or may not realize, a few weeks ago, we brought on my friend Michael Dunn, an old friend from the Journal Space days, and we, were, we had a nice conversation about the place of, uh, well, first his origin story, and then, you know, it was just two people of color talking about geek stuff, and Joe missed out, and he wanted to bring, bring Michael back, and so we needed a reason, so we were running with, well, let's get into We'll get to that in a sec. Let's just introduce my good friend, Michael Dunn. I'm back. <laughs> <laughs> Michael, good to meet you. Thanks for uh, joining us this week again. Nice to finally meet you, Joe. You know, I, I'm not going to lie. When I, like, I, I haven't seen a picture of you. I didn't know what you look like or anything. Not that it matters. But when uh, I first started uh, editing the last podcast that you were on, I'm like, oh, my God. He's got Frank Oz. You sound like Frank Oz to me, <laughs> <laughs> that's a which first. is awesome. What's that? So that's a first. Is it really? Maybe just yeah. the way it comes across on uh, on a speaker. It's probably not like that in real life. But uh, thanks for coming back. You you had some uh, amazing thoughts on on the last podcast. I, I I missed being able to join that conversation, and uh, hopefully one day we'll talk. Uh, how wrong Michael and you were about uh, some of the Star Wars facts. <laughs> bring it, bring it, bring it. But it's not this day. This day we're going to talk into the Spider-Verse. And um, I think, you know, when we talked about this uh, prior, Michael, to getting this thing going, it was uh, it's an important film. It, not like, you know, world-changing, but it's a pretty important film for the geek societies, right? The, the, our, our, for the young kids growing up and, and seeing differences and things. Of, of superheroes and um that we decided to give it another watch and, and talk about it this week exactly joe i mean it's not like they're putting out a lot of new stuff anyway so <laughs> no no unfortunately with covid it's it's not happening and then and i gotta tell everybody too is i'm actually recording outside again because there's no room in the house right now and uh, hopefully you might hear some chickens dogs i don't know but hey. whatever will be will be just keeping it real. So I did watch it uh, again last night. Did you guys watch it within the last couple days? I watched it last night as well. Me and the wife sat down and watched it. I also watched it last night. I think I 
when the latest. I, got, I finished around 11 o'clock last night. Yeah, I was done by 9.30. Then I started watching the making of stuff, which I love to do uh, with that. And, and as I was watching it, I, I texted Michael Diaz and, and said, you know, I, I have no idea how to criticize this movie because I couldn't find anything wrong with the movie. That's the hard part for me. Like, it's such a good film, story, animation's amazing. Like, everything you can think about, you know, I, I couldn't really criticize it too much. I can't think of anything. And that, that, that makes for maybe a boring podcast. I mean, but so... Um, what, what about you guys? I mean, I, what do you, th- did you find anything wrong with the film? Um, honestly, I didn't. Um, it checked off, it checked a lot of boxes for me, maybe coming from watching, uh, McGuire, Garfield mm-hmm. and the British kid and the quirks in each of their characterizations of it, it's like it made Sony did something right for once. Right. So you're not a fan of the, the, the films? I'm a fan. I'm a fan of the films. And that's a whole different debate there. For sure. Garfield, not so much. Maguire, eh. But I do like the two new ones, though. So Tom Holland, full up in your book. Toby, maybe to the side, but Garfield, would you say is a thumbs down? I would say Garf. I would say Garfield's a better Spider-Man than a Peter Parker. Right, I can see that. Yeah, I think you know it, it's tough. I mean, they're all directed. I I really when I saw the first Spider-Man the Sam Raimi version with Tobey Maguire. I absolutely loved it in the movie theater. There was nothing like it at the time. That, that kind of kicked off a modern superhero story. Like It brought us into this era, I think, and it was very, very good. And I thought Tobey Maguire was very good. I thought you know, Sam Raimi directed it in a certain fun way. And I think by the time you get to Andy Garfield, they try to take it to a darker place, which everything needs to get dark for some reason. I don't know why, but they, they try to do it there. And I think... That's what hurt it. There's Peter Parker. It was just such a dark person. It was no fun. Well, I don't think you needed the Snyderfica- Snyderfication, is that the word? Of yeah. Spider-Man. I mean, don't get me wrong. Certain characters should be dark. Daredevil mm-hmm. should be dark. The Punisher should be dark. Batman should be dark. Superman? No. Spider-Man? Definitely no. It's just Captain America. No, Captain exactly Captain America. No, that's. I mean, I don't want to pigeonhole characters. I mean, yes, you can do a light or dark story with any of them, but as a whole, characters like Superman, Spider Man, Captain America, they're the beacons of hope, right? They're supposed to be better than us. They're the mm-hmm. ones we look up to. There's a reason why Batman works in the shadows. He doesn't want to be. He doesn't want to be the icon. He doesn't want to be the hero. He just wants to beat some ass, get some retribution. He doesn't want to be the hero we deserve? Yes, exactly, Joe. <laughs> well played. This film, though, 
so that, it's a nice little background. That was a great point, uh, Michael Dunn. That um, you know we've had these three different white dudes play Spider-Man, Peter Parker, as it's always been told, and now we have this new story, who might be one of the most charismatic characters that I've seen in a long time uh, with Miles, and uh, it is quite different, but not that much different. You know what I mean? Yes. And with Miles, the fact that you with Miles, you can see everybody in Miles. Mm-hmm. In the world that is us today, you can see whether you're white, black, yellow, green. You can see yourself in Miles. He's literally the everyday person. Right. And he comes from two parents that love him, which is nice to see. It's not always some broken family, right? It's right. a, it was a, a loving family that two professionals, um, and just a different take. And, and you know, I, I think it's hard not to gravitate towards that kid. He's just such a great kid. And it's like, you know, somebody like him. Oh yeah, definitely. The biggest thing for the, for me in this film uh, before we dive super deep into it, was overall, it might be, in my opinion, humbly, the best adaption of feeling like you're inside of a comic book that I've ever seen, animation-wise. It is just brilliantly made. I mean, you can you can stop and pause that film at any point, and it would look like a, a you know a cell from any comic book. It was just. The art, the artistry is amazing in that film. I agree with you, Joe. In fact, I put that in my notes. One of the things that I love about this film is just that very fact. It makes you feel at times like you're in a comic book panel, and sometimes they actually write out the dialogue as the characters are saying it, or the onomatopoeia as battles are going on. You see in the background, pow or boom or whatever, and that's mm-hmm. you know it's something that we saw touched on by um, Ang Lee, actually, in the Hulk movie he did. Now, I'm not going to get into that, the pros and cons of that film, but he did his best to try and encapsulate that in live action. One of the benefits of animation is that they were able to do it better. And just like you said, you feel like you're in the middle of a comic book. Dunn, what do you think? Um... I got that. I, I was lucky enough to see it opening weekend. And I was commenting to Wendy about that. It's like, it felt like I was in a comic book. Um, the way everything looked on the screen, like it almost like I needed 3d glasses, but I did it. It felt like a, it felt like an, I was looking at an eighties comic book page, the, a newsprint page. Yeah, it's unbelievable. And and like you said, it did feel three-dimensional, even though it was two-dimensional, and you felt really pulled into the world. I mean, it was, you know, as each Spider-Man comes through, and whenever you get these different universes, you're actually part like, thinking that you're part of a, another verse that you're just kind of putting your head in and, and, and seeing what's going on around there. It's a, uh, I, I, dare I say, I, I mean, I, I think it's a, a such an animation breakthrough that it's up there with Pinocchio. And if you guys know anything about Pinocchio, that was a groundbreaking uh, animation film from Disney. I mean, it took years to make that film. It 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 
uh, paid tremendous amounts of money to people. It kept people working for five to six years, animators, like just drawing and drawing five, six years on one film, which, you know, now it's like one to two years to make a film in animation with everything and, and, and what they did back then. And then as I thought about that animation, and I even thought about the story that like, the ironic thing for me is that Pinocchio and Spider-Man are not as different as you think. The, the main crux of them, you know, for Pinocchio is how do you become a, a real boy or a, a good person or a human or, or a man, right? And even through the Spider-Man, you kind of learn the same lessons. You can't shuck off your responsibilities and go play with the bad people. You'll, you won't be a, a real boy. And, and, you know, not only Peter Parker ends up, but Miles Morales goes through that. And until he believes in himself and does the right thing, he becomes Spider-Man, right? And he becomes the next Spider-Man through that. And um, I know it's a roundabout way to get there, but they're very, they're more similar, I think, than people think. But both groundbreaking, and this is a groundbreaking animation film, I, I think. I, I wholly agree. It's, it's like, and I actually wrote this in my notes. One movie that has Marvel characters in it, not a Marvel movie. One Marvel animation movie, this made up for all the poopy Marvel animation that came out before. Right. Yeah, I agree. I mean, not, not going to deny it. Sony took a risk going this way, but it worked, and it worked well paid off well big time now now they've got something that can jump start and and push and then i hope i really hope they do a live action at some point uh, but i hope it's not a retelling i, I mean I, I would like to see miles morales in in the flesh i think yes. it'd be a cool cool place yes. for so sony to go um i mean that could be down down the road obviously but um it'd be a shame not to do that so okay. let me let me ask both of you guys real quick i never read the original um, Miles Morales origin story. Have you guys read those comics? Sadly, I haven't. I think I read his first appearance right after the ultimate Peter Parker died. Yep. And like mm -hmm. one or two books mm -hmm. after that, but I never, I think I, after that, I think I stopped reading Ultimate Marvel. Got it. Yep. I'm kind of on the same page. I, uh, I picked him up right, right there when he first, you know, donned the, the Spider-Man costume. But I didn't get deep into it. The, my biggest exposure to him was a few years later, maybe it was even a couple years after he came out, um, because they always said, you know, he's now the ultimate version of Spider-Man, and he's not going to come into the 616, you know, the main Marvel Universe. But then Bendis did a crossover called Spider-Man and I bought and read that and I loved it. So that was my first deeper dive into the character of Miles Morales. Well, I'm definitely gonna have to go pick it up because I, I was wondering if, if it was adapted, if his origin was adapted the same way. I mean, um, now I'm just curious. I thought maybe you guys might've known if it was pretty close to what uh, his origin if, was from. If I remember correctly, yes, his uncle, was on the wrong side of the law, but I don't think he okay. was. I think he plays a character. Is it the Prowler? Is that who he yes. plays in the movie? Yeah, I, I don't so. think I he, never got. To, I never really caught the name personally. I, I, for some reason, 
But and I believe in the comics, at some point, his mother dies. It's not his uncle. His, it's his mother. Oh, okay. And that's, you know, a big impetus for him to be Spider-Man, obviously. But um, now that all got changed once they merged the Ultimate and 616 universes a couple years back. So Miles Morales still exists. He's in the proper... Uh, Marvel Universe, but no, basically there's just two people named Spider-Man. Still Peter Parker, and still Miles Morales. And his mom's yeah. alive again. You know, yeah, Mo- when I, Molecule Man brought his mother back, because he thanked them for that cheeseburger. <laughs> See, that's... I don't even know... I don't know that part of the story. That's great. I need. I, I guess I'm going to have to pick them up, for sure, because it's such an interesting story that I need to pick those up. Um, I, I can tell you that when I saw it in the theater... I was so engrossed into the story that I didn't even bother to think who the prowler was or whatever. And when, and I was actually shocked. Um, so it was kind of nice maybe not knowing the story, but uh, it, it was one of those things I was like, oh, and I really felt for him. Like I was like, oh shit, his hero is not a hero at all. You know, and his dad who is a hero, he kind of like, you know, like boys do. Their dad is not, you know, you get to a certain age and you, you kind of push your dad aside for a bit until you figure it out later that, oh, he was doing a great job for some, you know. Right. But um, but yeah, it was uh, that was a that was big for me when I saw. It. I was like, wow, that really kicked it into a into the next the next gear. That was his uncle, his uncle Ben. Right, really. and that's what's nice about it too, is because you didn't see it coming, but he too loses an uncle to kind of complete that whole Spider-Man origin, where an uncle has to die to kind of thrust him into the power, right, into the right. into accepting who Spider-Man, how he is Spider-Man. So what do you think about having, you know, all the different types of Spider-Men creatures, people, Spider-People, that's probably a better word to say, um, to come in? I'm not sure that's like the comics. I mean, I, I thought it was cool. Uh, obviously, that, that's why it's called Spider-Verse, all these different ones. But I guess particularly the two different Peter Parkers. You had... Um, the, the I guess our typical one, which was what Chris Pine actually voiced. Yes, yeah, and then but he's he then, not exactly typical because he was blonde, which reminded me of Ben Riley. Right. Yeah, he was a kind of a softer. It was a blonde. Uh, you know, he was American, very quote, you know, very American kind of thing. Then you had Jake Johnson play the the beaten up, uh, uh, mentally beat up Peter Parker. Who, who became kind of like an Obi-Wan, right? Like, but not really. Like, he couldn't, he taught him, but didn't teach him. And so he had, he had a mentor of which Peter Parker never had. Correct. Correct. Um, I'm, I'm going to go a little bit off, I don't want to say off yeah, script, but. We don't have a script. We don't have a script. <laughs> <laughs> so, don't get me wrong, I love Miles Morales. I think he's. He's the heart and soul of this movie, and we're going to talk about him more. But personally, and I don't know why it is, but maybe maybe you guys experience this too as, as comic book geeks. Um, there are sometimes, maybe not even just comic books, book geeks, but there are t- sometimes characters that, for whatever reason, just their look or something about them just grabs you immediately. Like, I think we all felt that way the first time we ever saw Boba Fett, right? Yeah. Right. We knew nothing about him, but he looked cool. So for me, um, I am a huge fan of what the comic is called, Spider-Gwen, but Spider-Woman in her universe. 
Yes. I love her as a character. And I honestly, I know nothing about Spider-Gwen, Spider-Woman. I've never read anything with her in it. But like Dia said, I love her look and her attitude. And, you know, I learned more about her in the movie than I did in the books as far as her origin. But just her costume and the way she moves, very stylish. Agreed. And I do like how they've they've done a flip on her origin story where she saves her father from getting shot because, you know, you almost expect her father has to die, right? Because Spider-Man, a father figure, always has to die to be Spider-Man. Right. But she saves her father, but instead, her best friend, Peter Parker, dies. Right. So Now, is that, I haven't read her comic. Is that how it is in the comic, too? Yeah, in fact, so... Um, her origin story is pretty much, it's, I mean, they do it pretty quickly, but the gist is she gets bitten by the radioactive spider instead. Right. Um, Peter Parker, who was the, you know, the pick down geek becomes jealous that she now has this power because, you know, he feels it should have been his and in in a way to try and give himself power in their universe, he becomes their version of the lizard. Uh, and then he dies during a battle with her. So that's that's where the uh, the darkness comes from and the impetus, because you know someone has to die. It's Spider Man, right? Yes, right. Because there's consequences. Exactly. And that's what makes that particular character different than you know started a whole different thought process for other superheroes down the road. It was a, a regular person that that. You know, got these powers, gifts, however, but uh, and has to deal with it, and also has to deal with real life at the same time, and that's the beauty of, you know, of Spider Man. But uh, Spider Gwen, I thought was very cool as well, strong, um, self assured, and ready to go. Uh, really, really well done. You know, I, I, I get the, I think the Lord and Miller and me, I guess I have. I've, I did think of a couple of slight, slight criticisms. I don't know about the pig thing. Like, you know, I guess it's funny, but spider ham, well, spider ham, that's back from that. Well, from what I remember from the eighties and it was just one of those funny comics for kids and older adults that like to act like kids. Gotcha. It's, it was, it was supposed to be for lack of a better word, hamming it up. Gotcha. <laughs> nice. So it was like a Howard the Duck kind of thing, or no, no, Howard the Duck's not for kids. I know it's not. Yeah, okay. Howard's not for kids. <laughs> no, Spider-Man so, was the back in the eighties. Marvel had a line of comics called Star Comics, which they did licensed stuff like Care Bears and stuff like that. But Spider-Ham was their big star in the Star Comics. Well, I don't remember any of that. That's funny. Okay. So, all right, that's fine. It existed. It wasn't made just for this film. No. That is, that is canon. Spider-Ham, Peter Porker is canon. Is, is the, uh, the um, Nicolas Cage uh, noir, Spider-Noir. Spider-Man, is, is that real they, too? They could not have picked a better actor to voice oh my Spider-Noir. God, no. Like, perfect casting. Yeah. Actually, yeah, the entire cast was perfect casting. 
That's a great point. But yeah, so was was Noir Spider-Man a thing? Was that just for this film too? Nope, that's canon as well. Wow, okay. And he's a detective or something? Everyone is canon. Penny Penny Parker. Is it Park Penny? Well, Penny, she's canon as well. Wow. Well, that's cool. So I learned a lot just from that just now. I didn't know all that existed in the canon. Yeah. Now, to be fair on the noir stuff, that was, I think it was from a fifth week event Marvel did years back where they just did noir versions of their popular. There was a noir version of the X-Men. Uh, there, like I said, there's obviously Spider-Man noir. So it's all canon, but they threw it out there and he makes appearances now and then, but it's not like he's obviously not as big a character as Peter Parker, Miles Morales, or even Gwen Stacy, Spider-Woman slash right. Spider-Gwen. Right. Well, you spoke about the cast, um, and I went through the cast, but you know, you had Mahershala Ali, who was Uncle Aaron. I mean, that's a that's an Academy Award winning um, actor. Uh, Zoe Kravitz is in there. Lily, Lily Tomlin. I mean, they they really had some great casting in this in this show for sure. This movie. Uh, Lily Tomlin, perfect casting as Aunt May. Yeah. Which you almost wouldn't think it would be, but once you see it, you're like, yes. Right, and they have Shriver. As Wilson Fisk. Yes. Yes. Fantastic. So if that's so, I'm kind of hitting on my one criticism of the movie, and I think Michael, this is going to lead into uh, what we talk about maybe a little bit later. You know, is it the best Spider-Man? I don't know. Um, the it's to me every time you can feel a little empathy for the villain, it makes the movie stronger. And the problem, the only slight problem I have with this film is I don't feel any empathy for. Fisk, right? I know he's trying to bring his family back, but I don't think it's clear as clear as it could have been. Um, now, if you watch Daredevil, you understand the character a lot more, um, and you under. But it, I think they could have dove a little bit deeper into Fisk's background so that you could have sympathized of why he wants his family back or why you know what I mean. Um, I know that's a lot to tell um, in the story, but you don't really to new to new Spider-Man or to new to new people. And I'm, I'm guessing this film is going to bring new brought new people to the Spider-Man story. Um, these younger people to just make him the big bad. Cause he's a big bad. He looks big and he's ugly and he's, you know, the bad guy. I think they could have put a little bit more into him. What do you guys think? I think, I think what they did for this movie and what they did for Tom Holland, Spider-Man mm-hmm. is for you to do a little research of your own. Right. Did they need to give us, you know, more origin into King ben- Kingpin? No, you know, he's the big bad, you know, something happened to his family. He's trying to bring him back. They didn't have enough time for it. Kingpin wasn't the focus of the film. No. Just like, Tom Holland Spider-Man. I like that we didn't have to see Uncle Ben die again for the oh, third for sure. time inside of 20 years. For sure. Which is it's, also why it's cool when they get into this movie and they say, all right, one more time. I was bitten yeah. by Spider. Blah, 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 blah. And then they all do their origins. That was great. And they do it quickly and they don't, you know, carry on with it for like five, ten minutes. It's, it's catering to an intelligent audience right yep i agree with that i they don't 
pander to the audience. They don't dumb it down. I mean, there is a reference in one of the origin stories. I forget who it is because, you know, they, each of the spider people get to go, you know, that little story where they say, all right, one last time. And then they tell their origin. In one of them, there is a reference to, you know, the iconic uh, Spider-Man cover where you see Ben for a little bit. And that's fine. That's all the audience needs. We, we know the story. We know Spider-Man by this point. We don't need to have it hammered into our heads again. No. And my point was like, how can we, you know, feel a little empathy for what the villain is doing? It's kind of like even in, you know, the Avengers with a, um, Infinity War and Endgame. You know, you you can at least understand why he wanted to get rid of half the universe. I get it. Like he like you doesn't mean it's right, but I understand his thought process. And and maybe maybe I'm just being again I'm being super picky here because the film's great. And I was just trying to find that one one thing is if I could just feel a little bit bad for Wilson Fisk like I did in Daredevil. And maybe Daredevil is what has done that is put that in my mind because that might be one of the best portrayals of a villain in anything I've ever seen is uh, Wilson Fisk in, in, in uh, Daredevil on Netflix. Um, I, I can see where you're coming from. I'm not, I'm not saying you're wrong, which is funny because I usually do. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, I see where you're coming from. Um, and I get that he's the big bad, but I think for this movie, the whole bit with the prowler being his uncle yeah was even though he's not the main antagonist it takes on a bigger portion and it becomes that much more personal and powerful right so i'm okay with how it worked out um in the end because maybe we didn't need to have a huge big bad when we find out that sometimes you know tragedy strikes right at home right so let me ask this question: Does his dad know who he is now? Is that in the comics? Because I'm, you know, when he hugs his dad again, it really got me. I mean, we have kids and stuff. You know, I don't read the current comics, so I, I can't speak to that. So that's uh, that's an I don't know on my end. I have no idea either. I feel like he does at the end. I feel like the, the way he hugged him, like he kind of figured out. Oh yeah. Within this film, yes, I think his dad definitely knows now. Okay. Oh yeah, because that could be really cool. The... Go ahead. I was thinking that could be really cool because it's kind of like you know Aunt May knows who he is, so like, he needs someone, right? He can't just go live at Aunt May's, the current Aunt May's, with all that, whatever the, the spider bat cave. Um, right. So it's kind of. I, I hope that his parents know because I think that would be an awesome. You know, you gotta do your homework and do that. No, I, I gotta go save. Her. Ton of people right now, Dad. Could be a fun, <laughs> fun thing. When you when you, you know? got to go save New York at ten, but you got curfew at eleven. Right, right. <laughs> Spider Man problems. Right. Because Miles is how old is Miles in this? Fifteen. I think fifteen, sixteen. Yeah. Actually, yeah, you that... might. Hold on. Let's rewind. He might be younger yet because. He had moved from a middle school, and then he talks about, you know, oh, of course I've just been through puberty, you know, blah, blah, blah. He might be 13, 14. Do they actually say? I, no. I, I don't, I didn't see, you know. High school, he's probably he, 15. That's what I'm guessing. It feels right. I don't know why, but it does. It feels right. 
I don't know what the original Peter Parker was. He was 15. Okay. 15, 16. He was still high school. Right. I know he was in, yep, for sure. He was in high school. So, yeah, it's got to be close to that because he wasn't driving. Okay. And the ultimate comics, Miles was 13. Wow. So he might be that young in this. That's amazing. That that brings another dimension to the story. Well, I'm trying to think of it, and if you think about it, he is kind of short. And in fact, I think the way the scene is, I think Gwen might be a little bit taller than which would fit middle school because usually, you know, the girls, right? You know, they grow a little bit faster first. Yeah, until you get so. your spider powers, and he grew. Oh, yeah, that's right. That's right. Which, again, that's another thing I love about this movie, and I know it's not exactly what we're talking about right now, but so many allusions to the other films. I mean, the beginning when we have the Chris Pine Spider-Man, yeah. they basically go through the entire Raimi trilogy right. in about 10 seconds. Right. Yes, Which, and the whole the infamous dancing from Spider-Man 3. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> and he is, yeah, let's not, let's not talk about this. Right. <laughs> But even, even in the uh, Maguire Spider-Man, Raimi Maguire or whatever, um, you know, Peter Parker the next day, when he wakes up, he's suddenly ripped. Right. And though we didn't see that in Morales, you know, we did see that he grew. He was different. It had changed him. It altered him. And I, I liked that subtle reference. For sure. And... I think that goes back to what we were saying just a minute ago that that, that uh, Mr. Dunn here said was that this movie thinks and trusts that the audience is smart right. because that subtle reference, again, it's just that. It's a subtle reference and it trusts the audience enough to realize you're smart enough to catch that. I don't have to hit you over the head with it. He, you know, he outgrew his pants just like McGuire's did. You know, he got transformed. So it's a really smart movie for being an animated movie. 100%. I, I think it is taking into account the years of Spider-Man lore and what we all know and just bringing it to you in such a fresh, fun relatable way that it's it, it's just great i mean it, it, it's, it's the tough thing about doing this actual podcast today it's like i can't you know usually you can talk about something you can break it apart and you know here's where it's good and bad but it, it's it's damn near perfect you know it's it's up there it's now i think they have a tremendous task of like what do you do from here how do you push this forward i don't know what do you guys think i there's so many ways they can go, especially at the fact at the end where Gwen found a way to contact Miles across dimensions. Right. So they may touch on that. Um, they, of course, the at the end of it, at the end end where Miguel O'Hara, you know, Spider-Man 2099, jumps back to 1967, which was hilarious. The whole Spider-Man meme pointing at each other. Right. <laughs> that was so good. But I think I think Spider-Man 2099 may be involved. 
Hmm. Because it would be to to show him and not use him for the next movie in some capacity would be a waste of animation. Right. But does he need, does Miles Morales need a Green Goblin? Does he need that altered, is that like a, bat, a Joker to his Batman? Like, does he need that Yang, that, that Harry, maybe? That, that I don't know, um, to test him? Yes and no. He needs something. Mm-hmm. But in a, in this modern retelling, they can go the whole telling the story like they did with Peter back in the day. Oh, you know, dealing with high school and, you know, dealing with high school, being Spider-Man. But I think they can find some smart ways to remix and retell some of the old Spider-Man stories or do something totally different. Yeah, I, I, I kind of hope they shock me, shock me. Yeah, I hope they don't retell it. Let me let me ask maybe a question that is um, a little tougher for this day and age. Like, I think should they confront um, or not confront? That's the wrong word. How do you bring his ethnicity and color in a way that like is he going to be questioned by society? What is the society that he lives? Is he, I assume that his universe is our universe. Right? Is that what I'm? Is it, am I on the right assumption or no? But they don't know. No. And I think that, uh, true. Okay, but 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 I guess I, what I'm saying is not 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 that there's a a, a, a Spider Man of color, but I want to see. I don't want to see this. I'm saying this in the wrong way. But he has to deal with it in real life as a kid. Something that Peter Parker well, never had to deal with, right? So Peter Parker can go with his camera and take pictures everywhere and do something. Without get, without being picked on or, or questioned, does Miles Morales whatever he does as Miles Morales, whether he gets a, a job or whatever, is he going to confront racial issues? And I, I think maybe they should do that, uh, so that I don't know. Maybe they shouldn't. Maybe I'm wrong. I think the best way to confront it, I think, in the sense of Miles, mm-hmm. is only as needed. It shouldn't right. be it shouldn't be a main point. And that's no, the key no, I, is to just, yep. and it, it should be just, Hey, he's just happened to be different hue because his ancestors were born and raised in a different part of the world where the sun was baking him a little bit more. That's <laughs> nice. it. Right. Well, you know, yeah. I, I bring this up because I, I'm talking with a friend of mine who's a, a hiker who ha- happens to be of color. And he was telling me that he has like, he, specifically puts on like a Pokemon t-shirt and bright colors so that people don't fear him when he's in the trail walking. Cause he, he's, he's got like dreads and you know, a gold tooth and he's super cool, smart guy, awesome dude, but he gets confronted on a daily basis. So he wears things to be non, to look non-confrontational. Do you know what I mean? He has to think about that when he hikes. I don't. So I was just curious as like how does his how is Miles every day going to teach maybe other people how it's not the same for everybody at you know in life. Well, I think for Miles, it also Miles's neighborhood looks out for him because where he's at and who he hangs with, it seems they're all cool with him. Right. And like 
New York City is New York has its problems, right? But in the neighborhoods, inside their neighborhoods, up to their schools and whatnot, as far as the people that they know and deal with mostly, it's not that much an issue unless they start leaving their neighborhoods and you know go hanging out in other places. But for the most part, his every his normal everyday shouldn't be an issue. Right. Mr. Diaz, what do you think about all this? Well, to kind of tie it all together a bit, um, even back to what was said a few minutes ago about does he need you know an antithesis? Does he need a joker? Does he need a green goblin? You know? And I think being a teenage Afro-Latino kid is enough of a hurdle mm-hmm. in his life. I mean, first off, if he is 13, 14, or 15, whatever, he's he's a young teen. He doesn't know shit from Shinola, right? And now he's thrust into this world of adults and superheroes. That's enough right there. Right. But like like you said, he, he, he is Afro-Latino. He's, he's in both worlds. And even that sometimes could be an issue, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, maybe in, in, you know, I'm sure, obviously within his family, there's no problem. But in maybe in other circles, he's not black enough. Or in other circles, he's not Latin enough, you know? He's, he's way more of a, I don't want to say outlier, but, you know, that was one of the appeals of Peter Parker. He was the nerd. He was the outsider, right? Well, how much more of an outsider do you get being a teenager? One, you already feel like an outsider. But two, like I said, he's, he's, like I said, Afro-Latino. He's, he's in two communities at once. Um, I I think there's enough to do there as it is and enough complexity that maybe you don't need a big bad. Yeah. I think you said it better than I I did, Michael. I was trying to find that way of saying like, how does he deal with different problems to help maybe educate new kids like here's here's what this person's problems are that might be different from yours but you might be similar to you know it's you know find yourself in those problems as usual diaz well said well don't 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 give him okay obviously i can't fully relate to miles situation but i am myself quote unquote mixed race uh, and it's funny because I know I'm taking a little sidetrack here, but my first time to Mexico, and I tan easily because I am a large, I'm a percentage enough Mexican, okay? Um, so I tan easily. It was funny though because in Mexico, the Mexicans look at me and immediately know I'm a gringo, right? But I was literally on a bus in Cancun. And I got up to get off the bus, and it was towards the end of the week, so I'm nice and dark and tan. And as you know, uh, both of you, I'm 6'2", I'm a big dude. I get up to get off my stop, and these two old lady white tourists say in English, thinking I'm Mexican, to each other, they say, oh my god, look at the size of that one. (laughs) Oh my god. God. So, my, my point is, 
Did you say something? Like, don't bury that lead. You should have cussed him out. Well, it was it was funny. I was I was I was young. I was probably 21, 22, and I was like already stepping off the bus when I heard it. And you should have turned around and said, "Did you look at my penis? What is the matter with you people?" Like you just told me. <laughs> <laughs> my, my point is, um, that's only a very very small taste of what maybe Miles might experience because he is biracial. I am too, but you know, to some to some people, I might present or appear white enough or white to some people, so I might not get the prejudice, but. Like I said, in Mexico, when I was nice and brown, the white people thought I was Mexican, but the Mexicans knew 100% I was not. <laughs> so do you, do you think that's something they should maybe touch upon in, in, in his storyline? That was my question. I guess I could have said it a lot easier than, than the way I did it. But <laughs> You know, I may have to research and hop on Marvel Unlimited and go go back and read some old Miles Morales stories and see if that's something that he actually had to deal with. Mm-hmm. May have to do some research, maybe some homework for this. Yeah, I'm, I think I, I agree with you, Mr. Dunn. I, I totally, totally need to do some research on this. So let me ask this question of you, um, Michael. Yes. We know from our last podcast, our last discussion, that you know, we talk about representation and whatnot. And to you, Spider-Man was the character that you felt most drawn to because because of his origin story and having such a strong female character, you know, being at May in his life. So I know you're already drawn to Peter Parker Spider-Man, but how does how does Miles Morales how does he speak to you as Spider-Man? Is it is is Peter Parker because you met him at such a young age, is he still the bigger draw for you? That's, you know, I think, honestly, now that I'm older, I think I've outgrown Peter Parker. Mm. And I think, I think Miles Morales, I won't say as a reimagining, I think he is the freshest take on a superhero, not because he's Afro-Latino, yes, because of that, but the fact that, I, I like I said earlier, I think everyone, no matter who you are, especially the millennials, can see a lot of themselves in Miles. Right. Dealing with, you know, some of them may be really smart, dealing with have to go into a different school, just being, I think, as a him as a teenager in this day and age best represents every, every, for the most part, every teen that you know of. Every teen can see a little bit of themselves in Miles. So here's a question that, here's a question that maybe, did, did Marvel drop the ball or were they afraid to take the ball that was created as miles morales and what if they would have just injected miles morales into the the avengers universe and not go back to peter parker like what if they just didn't even acknowledge they took, Peter? they took a risk like i was shocked that they were killing off the ultimate peter parker well but, no I, i'm know, talking the films did some crazy stuff in the films i'm talking this whole series playing, of films I think people are clamoring for a live action Miles Morales. 
No, yes. I guess I my question is this: Did 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 Marvel miss an opportunity as they were building this um, all the way up to Endgame? Right when they introduced Spider-Man in Civil War, why didn't they just use Miles Morales? I think I I think they're making up for not having Peter Parker and not having Spider-Man early on. Because when you think of Marvel, what's on the direct comics, what's the symbol you see on the bottom left? Right. It's his face, man. Yes. Spider-Man, for the longest time, even though he wasn't a big draw-draw, Spider-Man was the face of Marvel Comics. And when the MCU kicked off and did not have, have Spider-Man, we start off the MCU with Iron Man, but that's a whole different discussion. Right. Yeah. Um, when we started, he was tier three best. Yeah. Tier two at least. Okay, maybe tier two, but still, he was not a list. But I think it was to make up for not having him, but I think. I see Miles coming. I see a live action Miles coming because the fact that they did introduce Aaron Davis in Homecoming means Miles is out there. Right. Yes. Right. And I'm going to build on that a bit, um, Michael. Joe, I don't think they missed the. I don't think they missed a shot. And here's why: okay. because first, what what Michael Dunn here just said, but also Marvel or maybe it's Feige has proven. At this point, 11 years in, 12, 11 years in, 12 years in, whatever it is, that they're masters of the long game. We already have the Tom Holland. Right. Okay? They're going to use him as much as they can. Yeah, we've got two more films. We'll see what happens after that. Right. But, like Dunn just said here, we already, we already met his uncle. Right. In Homecoming. Right. So we know Miles Morales is out there. He might still be a little kid yet, and that's fine. But at some point... Well, no, he wouldn't be born. Would he? Yeah. Well, but he's established he, he, meant, he meant because Aaron mentions, hey, I have a nephew. Okay. Yes. As soon yes. as he said that, a lot of people in the theater were like, ooh. Right. Yeah. But, Everyone but that knew who Aaron Davis was. Yes. By not showing him, you know, just mentioning that he's out there, that's perfect because now they've planted that seed, which Marvel does time and time and again. And with live action stars, at some point, Tom Holland is going to age out of Spider-Man. Now, it could be 10, 20 years from now, but contract-wise, he's going to contract out at some point. And they can kill him off. Well, they can do the storyline. Yeah, they can do the actual storyline. Exactly. They can do the Miles Morales. Now, obviously, that include that would mean they'd have to get agreement from Sony because Sony has Spider-Man no matter who it is. Right. So that would take some more cooperation. But they've planted the seed already that, you know, they have a replacement for Spider-Man. Well, how long? Sony's so, contract's not indefinite, is it? Nothing's indefinite. No, but I think both, as long as both people are making, you know, truckloads and buttloads of money, they're going to keep doing it. Uh, well, yes and no. I mean, Marvel wants it. I mean, the mouse, yeah, the mouse, the, 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 the mouse is going to find a way yeah. 
to get Spidey. Yeah. The mouse always wins. Yeah. I agree. True. Okay. True. So, Michael, you asked a question of us yesterday, and let's let's see if we can dive into that. Um, we're almost an hour in, so is it the best Spider-Man movie? So uh, uh, I'll let you go first, Mister Diaz. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna defer. I want Mister Dunn here. I want his approach. I want his take first. Okay. Is it the best Spider-Man movie? Okay, I'm going to put it because, you know, people say, oh, it's animation, but it is a theatrical release. Mm-hmm. We have the three, the two, that's five, two more, that's seven. This is number, this is one, one of eight. Of the eight Spider-Man films that were released, I would put this in a tie with Raimi's number two. Mr. Dunn is one of the smartest people I've talked to. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're not talking Star Wars right now, so right, right. <laughs> I'm gonna put this. I'm gonna put this as this and Spider-Man Two as A and B. One, Spider-Man. The first Spider-Man is number two, and then Tom Holland and Garfield. Yeah, I, 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 that was where I was struggling. It's like, is it the best? I, I really like Spider-Man too. I think it just did everything right uh, for that time period. It's, it's a little different when you watch it now. You're talking, when did that come out? That thing's got to be 20 years old, right? More than 2002. Almost. Yeah. So I mean, yeah. it's a long. This first one came out in 2000. And let me tell you, the first time I saw the first Spider-Man, I was in Thailand. Oh wow. Not Thailand? Not Thailand. <laughs> 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 oh, jokes. Jokes, jokes, so. jokes. <laughs> so, yeah, so, I was going to say, uh, I love Spider-Man 2. I loved I loved Sam Raimi's Spider-Man 1 and 2, and I loved this film. And, and I do like Tom Holland. You know, like, I like them all, but there is it is hard to rank. This is obviously it is it's a it's a one A one B kind of situation. Um, I think this is so different and so good. It's hard to say it's not one of the best. But there's something about that Spider Man two where you just Alfred Molina was so good as Doc Ock, and you cared about him. Yes. you cared about him as much as you cared about Peter Parker. And it was kind of what I was going back to with the Carlton F- with the Carlton Fisk. <laughs> baseball player sorry <laughs> with um fisk in this one it's like if it just had that little bit more it's a little bit more where like i felt bad for the bad guy it may have pushed it to number one a or something you know but it's something about that doc ock character that alpha molina played that was just so good well in the interests of continuing to split the vote <laughs> <laughs> So Dunn here has basically said, tied. Joe, you're saying Spider-Man 2. I'm going to see Spider-Man 2, then, then this one, yeah. I, it might be because I just watched it, but I kind of, I really tried to watch it with a critical eye, and you bringing up Molina's acting in Spider-Man 2 gives me a little bit of pause, because you're right, he is phenomenal. He plays the character perfectly, there's no question. Should have won the Oscar for it. I mean, that's 
it's it's not Heath Ledger Joker. No, but it's it's not too far no, off. It's just it's different characters, but I mean, you you care about him. Right. You care about Doc Ock and and what he goes through. And he was a good guy, right? I mean, he was his a bit of a mentor. He was an actually great guy. You liked him at the beginning, and shit just you know Frankenstein like goes kind of goes wrong. Oh, and also you see the fact that the chip blew. Right. He, he kind of was mentally insane because right. of it. You know, it wasn't all his fault. Right. That said, and again, it might be because I just watched it last night. But I give uh, I give uh, Into the Spider Verse the nod as the best, and then Spider Man Two's second. And the reason being is, while Spider Man Two is a fantastic film and the acting is great, everything about it is fantastic. Uh, in fact, I it might even it definitely has better acting than this movie, but. I give this one the nod because it's so cutting edge. It has revolutionized that particular style of animation. It brought a freshness to it. It, like we we all kind of said earlier, that it makes you feel like you're experiencing in inside of a comic book. Just the way they did the animation, the way they told the story, the way they built on everything like this communal knowledge of what comic books are and can be right and then taking it to the next level and that whole thing where they took what we know about peter parker and spider-man and were able to turn him into a mentor it just twists and turns and takes what we know and turns it upside down and yet it all still fits and it's just so bleeding edge cool and future looking and future forward i gotta give it the nod I can respect that. I, I can see that. I, you know, a couple things for me is animation has come a long way that I, I agree with you so much, Mike, on the cutting edge that I don't even know if I need live action for a lot of things anymore. I mean, I like it. I want it. But after I watch, you know, Clone Wars and Rebels and I can get really great Star Wars things with animation. Now I can get really great. You know, if you, if you actually put time, effort, writing and money behind these things, you don't even care that it's animated. You know what I mean? You care about the characters. And that's with anything you'll hear me till I turn blue on this podcast. If it's all about, if you care about the characters, everything else will, will work its way through. If you don't care about them, Correct. it doesn't matter. Right. It, it, so like not to, to harbor on this, but like there is nothing, not one character I give a crap about after watching one episode of your, of what is it? Lower decks. What is it? <laughs> Star Trek yeah. who gives a shit about anybody in that show that's just who cares nobody matters in that show so anyway <laughs> it's just like you have to have good characters okay, but and I think I understand that, such a great I know that's not your show it could have been but you have to admit Spider-Man okay it's a new show so you got new characters and we're taking a quick divergence here it's a new show new characters you gotta let them build a little bit um, with Spider-Man, a lot of the caring is already baked in because we already know so much about him. Right. That's the only thing I'm going to say about that. Well, we know about Peter Parker for most. I didn't know about Miles. So, Rowan, correct, correct. Then you're right. It was fantastic. They made you feel for him. Yeah, right away. It was. I get it. I get it. Now, I so, have a question. Shoot. Yeah, go ahead. And I know 
I know what the answer is going to be, and mine is going to be specific. But what is your favorite scene in the movie? Wow, I, I have a couple. I think I'll, I'll you go first, uh, DS, and I'll, I'll think of which of the two I want to talk about. Um, I, I think the obvious answer is the leap of faith, but. I, part of me, the contrarian part of me, wants to say it's a different scene, but my heart is right there. It's it's the leap of faith scene. It's it's fucking great. So mine is probably a dumb one. I kind of alluded to it earlier. It's um, it's when he hugs his dad. It just got me, and maybe because my youngest son's gonna be moving out in a couple of weeks, and uh, that connection that you want to, you always want that connection where your son just reaches out and grabs, or your daughter, it doesn't matter. Um, it just gives you that hug. And uh, it got me yesterday. I was watching, I was like, man, that, that he, you know, his dad was trying earlier. And um, a, a lot of stories you see these days are like fathers and sons don't get along well, or it's always, you know, some weird thing. And I just really liked how they portrayed um, his father and, and uh, the caring between the two. So, I mean, it, it's a small little thing. And I don't know. To me, yesterday at that point of watching it yesterday, that's what got to me. Mr. Dunn? For me, for me, and it's something that I noticed after my first watching of the film, and it's something and my wife mentioned this yesterday, it's like you notice my new details when you want to. Right. It's within the leap of faith scene sequence. And you're probably gonna both gonna have to go back and rewatch it or you may remember it's my favorite part and it involves the music by the way the music the score fabulous with oh my god spot yeah we, we didn't even talk it. about that you're right on right on it was great um it's it's after he does his dive his web connects and the part that i'm talking about it's the apex of his first swing mm-hmm. You hear the horns, and you hear his. You see his chest symbol. Yep. It's like I'm arriving, I am here, which, by the way, is probably. I want to say the second best entrance of 2018, next to Thor stepping right. into the club, in Infinity War. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and the fact that he made this suit his. With graffiti and that's yes, you know, like that's, yes. go back, go back and watch the scene and listen to the music and listen to the crescendo, big word of the night, the crescendo of the horns at the apex of his swing, and you see his chest symbol, okay. and you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. Okay, you do. I'm sure you'll do it as soon as we're done with this podcast. Yeah, <laughs> you know, I believe you mentioned the music. I believe Post Malone actually did a voice in the show, too. Yeah, he was one of the uh, bystanders in Brooklyn. Yeah. <laughs> you know, by scene though too, correct me if I'm wrong, but in the first Maguire Raimi Spider-Man, mm-hmm. um, which was the first time that actually on film it actually felt like Spider-Man was swinging. Yeah, and it was amazing. It was great. But does he not doesn't Maguire do the same thing where he swings too low and has to run for a bit, then jump and get back yeah, up? There's something like that in there. Yes. Yeah. So again, another subtle nod to Spider-Man's past. Yeah. And I think that was, I think there's a lot of homage to Sam Raimi's Spider-Man. I mean, I think 
Sam did a great job in the first two movies. The third one, we, we all agree, it was probably not one of the better. What efforts. are you talking about? What third one? Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, the third one is an excellent example of studio notes taking over. Film. Yeah, and I, you yes. know, um, yeah, I know they're making a Venom too, and I'm wondering if they're going to bring Tom Holland into that. Um, so. But before we go too far down that road, I, I know we've, we've hit our timeline, yeah. but I did want to touch base on the music because you're both right. The mu- music is fantastic. And it's actually a note I wrote down last night. The music is great, yeah. but it's pop music, okay? It's not a orchestral score. Soundtrack. Kind of score. Thanks. Thank you. Score, which is far more timeless. I mean, you hear, you know, the Star Trek theme or the Star Wars right. theme. It, it's you know you are even Superman's theme. Like here we are, you know, forty one, forty two years later after Superman the movie, and you hear those notes. Dun, 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 dun. You know it's Superman. Yeah. It's timeless. Right. Here's this was a small criticism of mine. I love the soundtrack. I love that it's current. I love that it's now, and it's fantastic music. The problem is though, it's going to become dated because of that. Yeah, could be. Yeah. And it does that I've listened to the score or I've tried to listen to the score and yeah, it brings me back to the movie, but there is nothing definitive. And a caveat to that, it, it, it took a couple years for people to really actually connect with the Avengers thing. Right. Oh yeah. Like even right now, if someone played it, I'd recognize it, but I can't hum it to you right now. Yeah. <laughs> Because they didn't concentrate on the music, but that's all for them. That's a different right. podcast. Right. right, right, So I agree. The music's amazing. I love it. It's essential to the movie. But in ten years, is that person going to hold up? I don't know. Well, we'll we'll find out. It's okay. It'll be of that time. It'll be of that time, but it'll be no Imperial March. Right. No. Hell no. Exactly. No. It's a different take for sure. My point. But I can't think of this. I mean, if I heard it, I don't remember the Spider-Man theme from Sam Raimi's. I mean, I, if I heard it right now, I would know it, but I can't hum it to my head. I, it's been a long time. Um, no. But Spider-Man. Which Spider-Man. is touched on in the in Spider-Verse. He was, I got a theme song. <laughs> right. theme song. And they played, like, they actually show the 60s, you know, original cartoon. And, oh, one last thing. The nod to Stan Lee, right? I mean. Oh. Yeah. Was cool. Yes, great. You, the suit will always, it, you, you can grow into whatever he said, which was a great line. I mean, that's just a great line. Yep. So, what have we missed? You missed anything on it? We probably did, yeah. but who knows? We can bring it up in conversations again. Absolutely. Um, I do want to say one more thing about the villains. I loved, I mean, everything in this movie. They gave like a fresh coat of paint. I mean, you have Miles. He's got a new take on on, on Spider-Man. But I like that there was no other Dr. Octopus. You had this female Dr. Oh, Octopus. Oh, right, right. And it works. I love that we had uh, you know, Prowler. He does exist in the comics, but he's not quite as cool as he is in this. I never heard of him until this, um, personally. But also, I love the Scorpion in this. Yeah. Yes. Like, Why is he speaking Spanish? No idea, but it works. Right. <laughs> yeah. He's great. So anyhow, I'm sorry. 
But he's put new spins on everything and make it just new enough to make it different. I yeah. loved it. I still don't know if Green Goblin's right. I, you know, I don't know if anybody's got. That was more of a take on the Ultimate Verse. Yeah. Ultimate, yes. Uh, universe Green Goblin. Yeah. I don't, you know, so far nobody's gotten Green Goblin right in the film era. So that's something somebody's got to figure out. Yeah. Even Raimi didn't get it right. I didn't like that plastic costume and stuff. But. Willem Dafoe didn't. Willem, 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 Willem Dafoe was a tad bit over the top. Yeah, but he was ugly enough not to have a mask. They could have just made him green. Willem Dafoe over the top, though. Come on. This is well. This is Willem Dafoe. So right. Yeah. I mean, he's actually scarier without the mask when he was talking to himself, Gollum style. It was a little, that would have been better. Yes. Um, yes. Anyways, we can you know he's fine or no. Um, Michael Dunn. I hope you had fun this time. Uh, we didn't really argue. You and I were uh, in lockstep pretty much. <laughs> but uh, well, it, the 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 year is still young. That's right. That's right. We will have a Star Wars discussion in the future, all three of us. Oh, and I'm I'm gonna come with I'm gonna come with notes, son. <laughs> You'll need them. I'll tell you what. Um, we know the Mandalorian is coming. We don't have a lot of more star a lot more Star Wars coming yet this year. No. All we know is the Mandalorian. So. I think at the very least, I mean, if not before the fall, we bring on Mr. Dunn for a Mandalorian episode. Oh, for sure. For sure. <sighs> for sure. I'm down. <laughs> cool. All right. Well, that's going to do it for this week. Um, thank you all for listening and joining in. If it's your first time, thanks for coming. If you've listened to us before, hey, thanks for coming back. And if you want to help out the show, just uh, share it with your friends. Tell them where you can find us on uh, various podcast catchers like Apple Podcasts and Google Casts and Pocket Casts and Podbean and all those fun places. Um, for our social, Michael can tell you where we are there because he pretty much handles most of it because I'm not very good at it. Michael? Well, you can find us on Twitter. We're at KyberCast. You can find us on Instagram, KyberCast, or the KyberCast. One of the two. Look for us that way. We're also on Facebook on the KyberCast in both a page and a group. So um, I've made a concerted effort to do or to make sure I reply to everyone. So if you leave a comment, you'll get a response. Cool. Michael Dunn, thank you again for joining the KyberCast. Hope you had fun. Thank you. I had fun, and thank you for having me back. Cool. We will have you again. So thank you all again for listening, and until next time, we'll uh, see you later. I have spoken. What a piece of junk. Boring conversation anyway.